1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 593. Going to recap the week 11 fab, talk some fab strategies, and much, much more. As usual, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the king himself. The, you can find him at topmost main event overall leaderboard somewhere in the top area there. Not hard to find. It says Curland. Uh, he's on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Mike Curland, how are we doing, my friend?
2: I need to change my uh I wish I could tw- I'm not changing my Twitter handle at this point in my in my Twitter career in my <laughs> in my fantasy baseball career but I really want to now just because I I just love leaning into it obviously everyone knows it's all in good fun good it's a jest but it'd be real fun to change it to at King Curland or to Just to, or maybe I'll change my team name to King Curlin, but I don't want people to misunderstand it as like having fun. You know, you can't have fun without people thinking you're being cocky. So that's where it gets aggravating. I just want it's fun. It's everyone knows we're having fun with it. Our little group is having fun with it. The people who posted it made it know it's all in good fun. It's it's fish. Come on, man. No one, no one. So it's, but it's one of those things where now it's people just want, they'll want to take it out of context. They'll think I'm being cocky. And that's the last thing I need is people think I'm cocky because I'm doing well in June right now, you know, but anyway. We're having fun. I'm gonna fun. I'm gonna mess with this meme a little bit at the end of the day. But yeah, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> I'm going well. Doing well. It's Tuesday. Uh, fun, fun week
1: ahead. Uh, we're all probably we, sixty or forty percent through the season. I think I saw you or someone else tweet out the other day. It's about. I think it's a little yeah. more. I think we're just passing that that mark. So we're moving right along. It's uh, flying by. Actually, weirdly enough, usually it's like the longest grind of the year. But it's it's a grind. Not saying it's not. But we're moving, and it's it's been fun to watch your. Uh, your success, but then just the overall baseball has been an interesting year with all the different uh, injuries. And we have another rookie got called up on Tuesday that I'm not overly excited. Like the talent's there. I don't know what the Rangers are doing with Mr. White just yet. So I'm not going to get over it, like analyzing that situation. But um, yeah, we got a lot of interesting stuff going our way. I guess I'll ask you one question just for fun. It's not on White because I I know you're not prepared for that. And we really don't know a ton, except he's a kind of high end prospect, but not really. He's top 100. But um, the news since you're a Marlins guy, the news on Jazz Chisholm, that he needs surgery at the end of the season, he's going to ramp back up and come back this year. Um, For a guy that, you know, we rely on his speed, that's going to be a massive concern. Probably shouldn't play center field if he's having problems running, my thoughts. Um, What are you thinking about this one? Because I know the – I think the reason he's coming back is the Marlins are kind of half contending right now, and that's why they're like, we need Jazz.
2: But uh, this is a sketchy situation to me. So with Jazz, I just look at it like he doesn't. He only knows one speed to play. You know, he doesn't play slow. He it's it's all or nothing. So he's not coming back and not playing. You know what I mean? Like even though he won't be a hundred percent, he'll be doing probably cortisone shots or regular like maintenance for the pain. But I don't think Jazz comes back and doesn't go full Jazz. You know what I mean?
1: Yep, one hundred percent. That's why I'm curious to see how this plays out. I guess we'll get a decent idea during his rehab starts and everything. To kind of get a feel on where he's going, but I'd like to see them maybe move him back to the infield or something. We'll have to kind of see how that plays out. Maybe move Luis Arise to third base because third base kind of sucks and screws over some people uh, um, with Gene Segura. So I guess we'll see how that all plays out, but let's talk fab. We are supposed to talk about this last week, but I decided to take this down a whole different rabbit hole. Um, we're going to talk about your fab process. And if, for those that uh, aren't paying attention we joke about it like Curlin said, but it's awesome to see where he's competing for a first timer in the main event, single entry in the main event. I get to see myself and the GTE guys on the back end, how much work Curlin's putting into this. Like he's grinding his ass off to do it along a big part of it is the fab process that Curlin's doing. Um, he, he's looking deep into his and this is part of his, you know, his niche, his playing time situations, which he just dropped on his YouTube page, dropped a all 30 team kind of where things stand playing time-wise right now so go check that out that's going to be pretty cool <laughs> as well but um hey i'm plugging it because it's good stuff Don't no it's just it's me. a
2: lot like the thought like you like, you made me relive that hour i'm like i was super amped i got started i was like yeah we're gonna do this i'm like third 10 15 teams in i'm like oh we're only we're only just getting done with the nl <laughs> oh no i know man I, so i've done, it, I've, I've done it, league, it,
1: I've, yeah i've done league just, pods and it's like
2: oh this will be done in like 20
1: minutes and it's an hour and a half later you're just like what the heck just oh. happened? and you're by yourself
2: so it's like you have to you feel this need to try to be entertaining enough to get by while still being informative while not to no no lull and somehow i managed to like hit the wrong button on my stream deck and it took me to a screen that my mic wasn't connected so for like a solid 30 seconds there's like no audio so i need to edit in post-production a lot of stuff anyway it it was it was a good it was a good controlled chaos but the first half was definitely strong i brought up the second half i I did okay i finished strong enough from all i yeah, So it's on his YouTube, it'll be on his, po- his podcast platform
1: later in the day Point. or on Wednesday. I'll say first so, thing tomorrow if nothing yeah, else, yeah. So, so look look for that. But um, I know I'll be listening to it. But we're gonna talk about his fab because um, there's a lot of cool data coming out. Zach Waxman and others are putting out some great, great information. And um, the reason again, I'm bringing it back to the fab with Curlin is he's super efficient because he's grinding his butt off and he's finding these like cheaper guys. Like I tweeted it out it, jokingly because he got me onto will brennan last week i got for a buck and he got him cheap and brennan was awesome well brennan was a little more popular especially in deeper formats this week we've talked to sanchez for a while we got him cheap like so like, there's a lot of these little things and it's like not I'm not taking full credit for this it's called a group think type thing and um one of the recent charts that came out is curling is the most efficient uh main event not the, the I'm one of I'm top, top whatever it is on. Uh, yeah, you, you're, someone, you're one, someone, one of the one of the most efficient in the deal, and he has. one I of think the, I'm like seven chunks of change left, which is pretty impressive. Um, but in the top tenure, I think you're the most efficient, which is pretty impressive. So, big way of saying, what is your process? Because, like I said, you from what I see, and there's obviously more is going through lineups, going through playing time, so on and so forth. But why don't you give the people a little sneak peek of your process?
2: So beyond finding who I want to go after, that's, I think we talked about, uh, we talked about benches last week, who I go after it's the whole process in terms of like, I don't look at rest of season stuff. I kind of look for the right now who's doing what, what's happening, what trends are happening, which direction pitchers and hitters. Oh, this person, their side was tighter this start. Why is it having less movement? It was, Oh, but it was a little more effective. Maybe this is a thing that's going to stick, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. So like, that's how kind of, I just kind of pick and choose who I'm going to bid on based on recent performance Uh, maybe a little bit past track record. If I think that this is something that's in their skill set or not like Owen Miller, I knew the power wasn't legit, but I know he can steal a little bit. He came for batting average. So that's kind of like one of those things where I'm not going to let certain numbers or certain recent surges dictate my, just what we know about a player unless there's actual underlying reasons. But again, that's kind of going into a different set of weeds. Um, And then obviously looking at the schedule ahead is kind of the ultimate uh, tiebreaker of like, all right, well, this guy he's kind of, you know, moving up in the lineup against these players he's hitting well and now he gets six out of seven righties, sign me up. And that's kind of like how I go that route with just picking streamer haters. But anyway so with Fab, it's kind of that thing is kind of where I take that, I take all that process of what I'm doing with player analysis and like you know, playing time trends and recent overall performance trends, etc. And looking for who I think can be good in the short term with potential for long term. And I kind of depending on do do I think this is a short term or long term thing puts them into a separate bucket already? Or do I think, Hey, this is a one to two week guy. This is a two to four week guy. I'm already creating buckets for these players. And then I'm creating with I'm creating sub buckets of skill sets. What do I? What are my perceived needs? What are my? I'm looking at league standings. I'm looking at the overall standings. Overall standings fluctuate so much right now. I don't need to worry too much about those. I'm already out of first. We talked about this for by a few points. But if I get a win or a save tonight, I'm probably going to be right back up at top or close to it. So it's one of those things where overall standings. Although I understand my needs there, I'm not so worried about attacking those just yet because there's so much fluctuation. So I'm still looking at my individual league needs, and usually by addressing one, the other follows. Anyway, so I so like I said, there's subsets in terms of um need and then like skill set and then based on who i think is going to be a shorter term ad longer term ad i go this route but the reason why i think i'm succeeding so much in my fad process is not only having this super in-depth process which is probably way more in-depth than that's necessary or maybe it's what's necessary to have success it's hard to be determined it's my first year really doing it like this so I need a longer sample size to say like, oh, this is really working for me. It's just working for me in this specific league. But being in less leagues probably is a big reason, too. I play one main event. I do our OCQ, which I I don't know how how efficient I've been there. But um, I've been getting a lot of players we want where I think we're st- where I know we're top three every other day. I look, it's like third. it was, third it was first. first
1: after last night.
2: So there you go. So we're back in first there and still the only other Fab League I'm doing. But that goes to show you that sometimes maybe less is more for some people i know me being the guy and super like i gotta try to figure out every little edge i can get i'm going super in depth with my individual league i have to you have to understand the hype that's on twitter slash podcast because you know those guys are gonna get there you have to understand the hype they're being hyped up by certain people with maybe like if vlad likes a guy more than the rest of the industry and he's pricing them a little not that he's pricing him differently he try. i do give vlad that credit for sure that he always tries to be mindful of the actual market price, not his, and he lets go of his own bias. I do like that, but I still try to look at what he's pricing a player at. And, and then I try to see, well, I don't agree with that. I like him more or I like him less because at the end of the day, he's still trying to guess the market. I, I'm trying to guess my league slash guess my own and then have my own thoughts on it. So there's, you know, that, that kind of, but it kind of helps give a, an idea of the general idea of like what people might be thinking on average. Cool. Okay, cool. So there's a little bit of a market watch there. But well, really what I like to do is just look at your league. I think your league's going to tell you more than the consensus will. People are so focused on the average bid, the average win this, the average win that, who got the highest, who got the lowest. Look at your league's habits. Give it a couple like – first off, the first few weeks of the seasons, a, it's Wild West. You don't know who's going to do what. There's a little bit of a book on some players. Like I know Heberleg's very aggressive. Gable, those guys are my main event specifically. I knew that they were going to be aggressive early on. So if I wanted somebody, either I had to go big or I had to stay back and hold my chips. And I went for certain players that weren't as popular, like Logan Allen types, that were still good names, but just not the big name, not the bybies, not the other guys that were getting all the hype. So I, I knew where I knew where I was staying. You know, I knew my lane. I knew which lane I want to stay in. And I knew how much those guys were going to be cool. But I didn't know the rest of them. Now I'm starting to create my own little notes on each of the individual players under just by like seeing what they do. I know there's a certain guy in my league that likes to spend around like 80 to like 80 bucks on average. If he likes the guy a little bit, it's usually 30 to $50 range. And like, if he likes it, it's like, I understand they're low bids, like they're low to medium, they're medium, they're high. And one guy I've never seen spend over like $150 some on a on a player. And even then they were, I don't think, I don't think I've seen them win. I just caught when that, that was the, they were the runner up or something like that. So you start making these notes of like, all right, cool. So I know if, this guy has, and then, so you're looking at all these little things, this guy bids like this on this type of player, this type of player, this type of player, and this type of player. Remind, remi- remember, and yes, please try to hold up. I understand it's very convoluted, but it's all part of the process of like, I. so I understand player spending habits in my own individual league. I try to get a really good grasp of who spends and how they spend and the type of player they're spending that on. The big name, the speed guy, the power guy, how they attack their specific needs. Oh, there's a, saves op, a save spec. This is how they're ta- attacking save specs. And you'll notice that players will start building these I like they'll start kind of showing their hands and maybe they don't, they don't realize it but they're putting certain bids out for certain types of players like hey this guy's kind of a saves guy but there's a little more there so the bid will be a little higher but this guy's a short-term saves option so the bid's gonna be lower but and that's almost like they'll treat that same type of bid like okay well this is a hitter streamer i value him here so this is how i'm gonna bid on him but oh this guy has a little more longer term appeal they'll kind of take those bids and carry them over based on the player they perceive them as and where I where I get where I've been fortunate enough is the bigger bids. Obviously, I've been gauging the market properly my league for because I've seen b- bidding habits. And it also goes back to who has money left. Again, going back to Gable and league being kind of the bigger wild cards in terms of willing to spend and all that. Those guys are lower on funds. I knew they couldn't get in on these guys, so I knew I can be a little cheaper right there. Boom. I cut like a hundred bucks off my thought process. I'm like, all right, I could drop my bids a hundred bucks, knowing that these big, big, big spenders don't have the funds for it. And then you look at the rest of the remaining guys, like, okay, they have this much money left. This is their tendencies. They have this much money left. Like, kind of the bigger people that need, that I know might need this player or might be after them. Cool. So it's like, I'm really just, you're getting into the nitty gritty of your own league more so than the market. The market plays a little factor, understanding the hype of a player and all that. but. You really have to understand your own leagues tendencies and playing less leagues. I have one league. I'm putting all this effort because I have the time to do so because it's just one league. Now, if I had five six leagues, it'd be a lot tougher to be able to be so into it, you know. And on top of that, then going back to the going back to the needs. Remember, I, I created my own idea of what this player is worth to me, what, what I think this player should be worth in general to the league, and then I, I try to get an idea of who might value them more or less. So there's like I knew Julian. I, I knew there was a very unlikely chance of me getting them again because i wasn't gonna pay big i didn't get them this week i really wish i did but i wasn't getting them i think i was i might have even been the runner up at like nine bucks which is funny because the next guy was like 20 bucks i wasn't going double digits this week on them i just wasn't because one reason or another they seem to send them down they shouldn't this time plonk was gonna be down for a bit but that's a whole other discussion we'll talk about that later but um i understood but it's just one of those things where it's like so i understand the skill sets i understand needs i look at other teams needs where they might be going and then taking all this information in like okay well i get it all together i'm like all right well these are the players i really want so i'll break it down to like my top favorite players and that's why i really go even deeper like that's why i go team by team who's competing for these stats who's where who's what who lost who and via injury who might be trying to replace what and i really try to figure out my main competition for these subset of players and then from there i it goes right back into the beginning of like these are my (laughs) it goes right back to the beginning of like all right let's start from the top now and hit all the fucking oh sorry excuse my language Jesus hit all the freaking checkboxes all the way through it's 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 just you can see like my brain's running a million miles per hour I might have talked in circles but this is what I do for every week and there you go it's it's really long-winded and probably frustrating to listen to I can't imagine anybody who sat there was like was able to follow along and I hope you did and I apologize if you have any questions please ask <laughs> but I really it's just really just it's super convoluted but it's it's how my brain works it's why I'm different.
1: Yeah, and that's what makes you um, continue this year because it's convoluted enough to make you put all that time in, which is pretty wild. First question I have there, because I was going to ask it, and you kind of brought it up briefly. You have one league. How
2: feasible would this be for, say, you had three leagues? I think that would be the max. That's why I think I was telling you, like, I'm lucky that one league was all I did this year because it took me playing one league to get my process to get a process I like and enjoy. And I'm feel like I'm mainstreaming mainlining it a little bit main mainstream mainlining. Yeah. Mainstreaming is definitely different. <laughs> I'm mainlining it that it's like, I'm getting to a point where it's, it's, I'm comfortable. And now obviously a third, almost, almost halfway through the season. I know the habits of these players. Now I have an understanding of how the bids are are shifting downward because of money spent, blah, blah, blah. But it's definitely, I think two, maybe three would be the max for me. I can't do this. It's too much work and time and effort, but I do think that that time and effort I'm able to put into a specific league is a big difference or a big reason why I'm having success, but you're seeing players. I think one of the names I saw the vibe tag was the franchise. I believe that's Nelson Souza. He's actually in my league yeah. as well, but it wasn't that. It wasn't that league specifically. He has, I think, I think he mentioned on his, po- on the podcast that he went on, I think 10 main events. Like he went all in on main events this year. Um, so one of his 10 he was he's been super efficient on. And I'd see I couldn't do it with 10 leagues. I know I couldn't, but he's finding success at least in one of those 10 in terms of being, but who knows? What if he has a couple other those leagues just outside that list that wasn't mentioned? You know what I mean? It's it's hard to it's hard to say. But at the end of the day, because I'm not doing that homework to go look, but at the end of the day, um, I do think realistically, I'd say two for me th- with this process and considering I'm building on it, learning from it now. I think I could do two to three. By at the beginning of the year, had I had two or three leagues, I don't think I would have been this efficient because it would have taken me that much longer to gather a process to be comfortable utilizing.
1: Yeah, no, no I'm with you there. Like you said it's so in depth. The one thing like you talked about that I know like Guilds has talked about and some other guys are very good and probably many do it and uh, they just don't talk about it is looking at your individual league mates, like how much money they have, to, what what their team needs are, and that's a lot of time and commitment to put into that for sure. But that is definitely an angle to go off of to see what uh, where to go. Um I know you kind of ran around different ways about it, but um, how do you go about trying to maybe, what? how do you go, best look at the upcoming schedules besides looking at the GTE chart to tell you like, hey, these are the guys I'm, you know, looking to get. Maybe these guys will come in cheap. Like like I use the Will Brennan example because I, I, I think I do a lot of work. I put it, I do the, uh, the waiver wires and the fab articles and I try to like make sure there's some kind of lower roster guys that stand out based on, you know, schedules and stuff. And then you mentioned Will Brent. I'm like, ah, oh, that's actually a good point. I dug in on him. I'm like, wow, that's actually pretty impressive what he's doing. So how do you go about kind of uh, finding maybe those kind of unicorns or the ones that you know you're going to be able to get pretty cheap that could be the like Jake Bowers a while back didn't work out, but same scenarios, guys like that?
2: Yeah, you picked that. You picked that. You mentioned right there, Jake Bauer shows you it's not a foolproof plan. But yeah. for every Jake Bowers, you get a Nolan Jones and a Jesus Sanchez, hopefully, right? Like, yeah. obviously, I think I'm picking the unicorns. And is there some luck involved? Absolutely. You can't sit there and act like there's not. But there's also a process that led me to the path of these players. Not to mention, uh, Will Brennan was a guy that I knew the skill set of what he had entering the year. So once I saw him start getting going, I kind of had a feeling, okay. I, I believe it's some of this we're seeing because I already had this idea of who he was coming into the year. Same with Nolan Jones. Same, and Jesus Sanchez was a guy that kind of popped early on when we started looking at the shift numbers. And he was a guy that's like, all right, he was kind of affected by the shift. I know there's swing and miss there, but it's more so like, you understand there's power. There's like game-changing power there. And when he runs hot, Sanchez can run really hot, but he's cooled down a lot since. So it's like I, I strongly considered sitting him this week, even with the righties because he has – you know tough Seattle matchups this first period, but I was like, I'm gonna. The only reason why I didn't is because Kiermaier isn't guaranteed to play, and I couldn't yeah. wait till today to find out. So I picked up Kiermaier. But he also has a tough matchups, so it was one of those things where I strongly considered making that flip in terms of just not dropping him, but just switching him out in my lineups because Kiermaier's a guy that I have on my bench. But it was one of those things where it's like I'm not afraid to sit a guy when I when I see signs of cooling down because he's being exploited. I'm watching his bats biased one because i'm marlin's fan too because i'm rooting for him and he can't stay off high heat it's out of the zone he's swinging at it anyway he doesn't seem to care right now maybe he got a little overconfident maybe he's pressing again i don't know what it is but it seems like every time there's a ball close to the to the zone but up in the zone he'll swing so sanchez is the guy that's like oh and i'm starting to cool down like i'm not dropping him but i'm definitely looking to bench him if i can but um anyway so Part of the process is so. What keeps me, all, especially with with hitters specifically, because that's what I've been needing to stream after some injuries and some underperformance from other outfielders, it, or hitters in general, was um. Obviously, the content, you mentioned the GT stuff, but it really is my content that keeps me uh, super into it. I'm looking at all 30 teams as often as possible. I did a write-up on all 30 teams yesterday for the Patreon, and that isn't just for them. It is also self-serving. I'm looking at guys like Ryan O'Hearn has been on my watch list. Jason Hayward has been on my watch list. Hayward just had two home runs in stolen base last two weeks. The average person isn't paying attention to that. And that's where I get my advantages. Like if I really went out, there was a player I forgot. I wish I remember the name that caught my attention today or yesterday while doing the write up. I was like, I missed this, and that's upsetting because I would have streamed. I would have been happy to stream them for like a buck this week. I don't know. How, I have to go find it so I can keep tabs. I wonder. Them.
1: I wonder who it is now because I know. I've well, I can't. I wish I can.
2: I wish I could. I wish I could remember the name. It was just one of those things where it caught my attention. I was like son of a gun, man. Like, and that actually happened with Ezekiel Durant. I was a day late and a dollar short on Durant. Durant went unfabbed in most leagues. I I think he was picked up like in five leagues the week. I I noticed him the Monday after. I was like, oh, he's getting playing time because I remember him from last year, just that power speed, just a a little glimpse of something for a period last year. And I was like, oh man, I like this guy. I remember liking him, wanting him. And we, I think me and Zach and the tag team got him a couple years back even. So it was one of those things where okay, this guy, I know this guy, I know who he is and all that, but I missed him. And then the next day he continued hitting and I didn't get him because he went for more than I was willing to spend the week after. So it's one of those things where I don't always get it. So, and, but that, I, you see how I hold on to things. I'm very competitive. That's why I refuse to miss on anything else. And that's why I'm hoping I didn't miss on this guy. And I wish I knew the name because that's gonna bother me. But my point is, is my um, process is I make a point usually at least once before the weekend's over to go through every single team, look at the last seven and four. Usually I look at the last 14 and then try to look at the last seven for some guys. If I think like, okay, I recognize this guy's hitting a lot. Because I look at box scores too, you know. So mm-hmm. this guy's been hitting a lot this week. And then, so I get names like Tommy Pham was one of my favorite streamers to pick up because I'm like, oh, he's really, he's, you know, he's played four straight now that Alonzo's out. And he has a little pop, a little speed since the beginning of June. I didn't get him because he went for the same price as Sanchez and and Jones in my league. And I, I don't, I didn't value Pham. That, see, that goes back to, I bid on him, but I wasn't that price on him because, I think I don't think he offers the same long-term upside as the other two did. That's why I was a little more aggressive with the other two. And the fact that even for the same price as the other two, I, we all understand Tommy Pham can flash, but he hasn't been consistently Tommy Pham for years now. So I don't know. I just wasn't wasn't too much in on I wasn't that much in on him, but I was. But, like, um, yeah, so that's where, where it starts off with. It starts off with I'm going team-by-team team looking at 7, 14-day uh, performance samples. You can't actually take those and think, oh, well, look – they've been good for a week. I can project that. No, but what you're trying to do is you're trying, sometimes you're just trying to catch lightning in a bottle. You're trying to pair hot runs with good schedule and, and good match, a good, good schedule, which is good matchups. And just knowing that they're going to be cheap bids to, just to take a shot on them. You're Yeah. Cause if you're looking to stream, you're looking to save money and you're looking Daniel. to try to bank some Daniel. stats. Yep. And I think what, by, by monitoring the lineups the way I do, by monitoring playing time, the way I do, and by being able to pair playing time improvements uh, lineup spot improvements and recent performance all trending the same direction you land on with random names and it's like I was that's why I had Marcano and then I ended up dropping Marcano the week where 26 teams added them mm-hmm. and I, I I felt really uncomfortable with it it worked out in my favor this time but that's not always gonna be the case uh it was just one of those things where I was like and that's where being a step ahead of some people in these deeper mm-hmm. formats really gives you an edge but you, you know, you still can't. You can't. You can't just rest on on that. You got to kind of keep moving forward. Keep looking for the next guy like that. But um, yeah. yeah, it's it is what it is. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a process. It's a lot. And it, but.
1: no, I'm I'm with you. I guess like the way you look at lineups is kind of the way doing DFS every day helps me because I see all the moving Absolutely. trends. You see guys that are hot. Kind of, and then I do like content that bases seven to fourteen day like hot streaks, cold streaks. So it kind of gives a similar streaming uh, appeal. Uh, another thing i wanted to mention though you mentioned like jesus sanchez slowing down We jake bowers is picking up again uh, what i wanted to <laughs> mention to these people though like to the listeners is this is what streamers do they're very volatile like this is what they're there's there's a reason they were on our list to stream is because they do have the ability to go off but at the same time they the, like they're a light switch they can turn off just as fast and that's what makes like even akil badu who worked out for a few weeks he was cooling down before he got hurt like there's the whole I was dropping them regardless, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's that's <laughs> my point. Like there's a whole fluctuation. Some of these guys you might drop and pick up, drop and pick up and, and go, especially in 12. It's easy. Uh 15 is a little more difficult. But these aren't players like we talked about it a few weeks ago by like um streaming stream, bench streamers and just streamers, two different things. Like right now, Jesus Sanchez is a bench streamer for Mike Kurland um where well, I, I started him this yeah. week but he's but he's slowly trying I mean. but my point is you weren't going to cut him you were going yeah. to at least put him uh, yeah. on your bench where i will cut him is, in like two weeks though like a week yeah. or two if i if i have a need a true need that pops up exactly he's gone he's near yeah. the bottom of the list and uh that's what makes it very very uh interesting and that's what this whole fab process like every year i i, I keep learning stuff because it's wild the, the hardest part is and people will try to ask you all the time what to do is to to nail down the perfect price all the time is next to impossible. Fifteens uh, not like I'm no slight on you, is a little easier, definitely easier because it's kind of more of a like I guess limited pool. You get into a, a twelve team, and you are experiencing with the OC with the OCQ. I got the OCs. I do three OCs, and the numbers vary. Like we'll talk about it on this show when we talk LED and stuff. It is freaking insane. Like literally, I just sit there and I just I tell myself I sit down like I I. I spend my time on my fab and it's like what are my team needs what can I afford to spend I'm not even worrying a whole like I I try even to focus too much like I should do the team by team thing I might help a little bit but every time I think that then some guy comes over the top rope with something I'm like what in the heck just happened so it is the wild west as Kerlin said it's uh it's quite the experience to say the least
2: and uh, I know like going back to me not catching everything, just trying to catch as much as possible because again the goal is information is king. Obviously tangible information, but uh, shout out to Chris Torres who was like the one guy. So when I noticed it was like a Tuesday, I was like, why is he playing so well? And I look at it and it's um Robenito Door, and, Odor, and he was. It. Crusher's leading off a lot for San Diego. Oh no no no! This was this was like a month ago. I'm oh, talking okay. about like a month. Like okay. this was this wasn't now. This was like a month ago. I'm sorry, Got I should have this. So I look yeah. on the main event. He was rostered in one league and started by Chris Torres, and I was like, "That's a heck of a." Well, that's fight. why he tweeted it out. He said, "They're like, uh, uh, <clears throat> like real quick, yeah. people, check it out." That was impressive. <laughs> that's impressive. That's not, and oh, that's yeah. not an accident. He took a shot on something he saw, and that's the type of thing I'm trying to. And that that's a kind of a reference point of what I'm it. trying to do every single week, and how it shows like my process is really good but it's not perfect because i completely whiffed on that not that maybe i don't know if i would have acted on it anyway had i n- noticed them but the fact that he did was like kudos yeah. to you. great great stream and great play and if you held on to a stream i know he dealt with an injury so i think if he got dropped it wouldn't have surprise me because i know there was like a groin or a, a, a hamstring or something weird rounding first not so long ago but um yeah so that was the thing about uh odor that was like that that's the name that stuck out like i really try my best to find that catch catch lightning in a bottle from a guy who's randomly getting playing time at the top of a lineup and and sometimes and you'll hit and then the thing is is like maybe i would have dropped prematurely but i have no problem i'm a quick trigger finger quick rotate willing to just turn and burn these guys and i'm i've gotten better at that and obviously there are some mistakes along the way but that was one thing i have picked up from listening to guys over the years like by players and other other industry types that play NFC, like you got to be willing to turn burn. You can't get attached to these uh, late round guys. And I looked at my last 10 rounds the other day, talking to Dom, a bullpen guru on Twitter, talking to him a little bit. We were just kind of talking about our drafts And my last 10 rounds. I think two out of my last 10 picks are still on my team or were on my team beyond like week four. And that was it. It just goes to show you like, a i drafted the last 10 rounds poorly so i gotta you know next year i can't look forward to next year yet but next year i'm gonna be putting a heavier focus on trying to hit better in those last 10 rounds but b it was good of me to recognize hey i missed and i moved on so quickly so it's like i I adapted appropriately considering that i didn't hit on those last 10 rounds the way i would have liked to but that's where that's where you gotta realize like you can't get attached to these names like okay they sucked maybe give them a little bit of runway and then, okay, I think I gave most of them two, three weeks to a month at most. I think one guy, the 30th guy, I dropped right away, which got me a good two weeks out of Garrett Cooper back when he had those. But, that, of but, that,
1: but that's that's, the point. We talk about it all the time in the preseason stuff, like churning and burning the back end of your draft. Take your chances. See what happens. Like most teams that win in the end, they don't have these guys at the end. If they do, you, you hit some like jackpot yeah. players, obviously, and that's another reason why you're winning. But more often than not, these late picks are like,
2: some guy but, literally. So take usually, guys usually they're
1: going to start for two weeks and then they already plan on dropping them. Like it's all my, schedule
2: based. Yeah, that's another thing. I honestly should look next year. I mean, again, I can't. Look, I always look forward to next year because I want to improve on how I'm doing this year, which I know it's funny because like, oh, you're doing good, Mike. I know, but there's ways to be better, and I want to make sure I'm better going forward as well. But um, so it's like I'm over. I'm over here like, yeah, I wish I did that more. Like, look at the f- first week or two schedules for hitters and pitchers, more so for pit- hitters because pitchers. I feel like the schedule, I feel like offenses in general are hard to predict based on the previous year. Because what there's like, if you go back and look at standings in general, you can realize that standings fluctuate wildly. Like from on the off from off a team offense, like the Mets aren't haven't been that great and people probably weren't streaming pitchers against them. So I'm not so worried about like overdoing it on pitcher schedules right away because you don't know how team offenses are going to produce or like some teams might be surprises, some teams are going to be terrible. And so, but when it comes to hitters, I feel like pitcher. I don't know. I feel like not that it's more, not that it's easier to look at pitchers and realize, okay, these guys are still going to suck. But like, if you had the A's, if you saw the A's and I don't know, another, insert another bad team over the next first two weeks, okay, cool. I, I feel like those are comfortable streams at least initially, type of thing. But also, I don't know. I don't know. I just look at it like I feel like it's easier. I feel like it's safer to try to stream hitters early on than pitchers, as we and that, actually we have seen that to be the thing because pitchers have been getting blown up this year yeah it's uh it's a whole different animal out there and it'll be interesting to see how it keeps playing out but um yeah the Actually, thought process. my last it, 10 rounds weren't terrible will benson didn't work out and he still hasn't he start, so it he started he's starting to get some steam yeah though, but i weird. i didn't hold on oh, yeah, this no. long ryan pepio he's yeah, he go got on. injured the first week brad boxberger was a spec ryan yeah. Bayo worked out i held on to him too so that worked out. max kepler was good now he's awful or it was good enough. He was a good fit out there. I was awful. Uh, uh, Bryce Trang, I, I got the best out of him. So yes, and I dropped do. him and I dropped him like a month. I dropped him like a, after a month. Like I was like, all right. And he wasn't even starting for me throughout the whole bad part. So I did. I managed him almost as perfect as I could have. I feel like Kyle Gibson, just really solid bench streamer. Um, I actually dropped him, even though he's very usable. I didn't like dropping him. I just had, I needed, I needed some offense. I needed, I had too much pitching. I know that's selfish, but at the time I did. Campusano bust. Matt Brash was just for the first week to ensure no zeros, and the biggest, my best pick of the of these last ten picks outside Bayo was JD Davis, who I cut week one, <laughs> which yeah. that hurts because he that was one, that
1: would come back to haunt a little bit, but we'll see. Long ways but, to go there. But
2: I, I dropped him because he was I, I it was a panic pick. I was like, I don't know who I want my last yeah, pick. He wasn't Mr. doing
1: anything out the gate. He wasn't doing anything.
2: Well, not even just that. It was but it fine. was draft season when I'm like, does he even have a regular role? I yeah, didn't even does. know his role. So yeah, that's where, but that's where being aggressive. Hurt me because, like, although I got, I dropped him and I got, like I mentioned, I go back to that and I look at that. I'm like, I dropped him. Who did I drop him for? Oh, I dropped him for uh, Garrett Cooper, who had a really strong, like, two, two and a half weeks to start the year. So I banked those two and a half weeks. But J.D. Davis went on to have, like, what, a good month and a half, two months. And he's still good, but he hasn't been as good as he was, like, the first six weeks of the season where he was, like, just everything was hitting over 300, hitting for power, doing it all. The four-category producer we've been waiting on for, like, years since he was a Met yeah that jd davis i dropped him on i dropped like i said i've made some great ads and great streams but i've made some bad but you're not going to be perfect and that's my hardest thing to accept i'm so competitive that this i just don't like making mistakes And that's been so hard to accept that it's like hey it's june what is it june 13th you're going to fluctuate if you're top 10 entering mid-july then maybe start buckling up and focus but like relax it's good you're going to move up and down
0: That's n o o m dot to sign up for your trial today.
1: All right, I think we'll wrap up the fab talk Sorry. there. No, it's fine. It's just a lot of good stuff. I want to get Thank into some right. of these uh, ad these ad drops from the week, and then talk our picks. We have got some listener questions, so yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's it's a deep in depth process that curlin has here, and uh, I do
2: some of that, not all of that. I, I bet you, the... I even forgot something. Honestly, oh, that yeah, was so all. You talk- probably, probably did. I wrote it down in the outline, and I don't even think I went – I don't. I know I didn't go point by point I wrote down. I just kind of went off the top of my head. Yep. So, yeah. Yep.
1: All right, let's talk 12-team OC uh, ad drops for the week and give our two cents on these. The most added player because some of the uh, popular picks – well, this was the second most popular pick, but the uh, Cruz was rostered in some, so we'll get to him shortly. Uh, Andrew Rabbit picked up in all 203 leagues. As high as three ninety two, as low as four dollars. We'll get to Corey Abbott later, but um, Andrew Abbott. This is a fun one, Curlin, because he had a two step last week, and he did not disappoint. His first step was in Great American Small Park, where he threw six shutout innings, which was obviously very, very good. Uh, came along with, I believe, pulling four walks. And then he went into St. Louis, five and two thirds shutout. So he's eleven and two thirds shines, ten Ks, but seven walks is a bit concerning with Andrew Abbott. Big prospect pedigree. People went all in for him. It was the new taste of the town pitching wise this week. Uh, I did not get any shares. But what's your thoughts on Andrew Abbott?
2: I just couldn't do it. I hated everything. I looked under the hood outside. The, yeah, we got the. We might have got his two best starts of the season that week, honestly. And maybe he has a couple more in them. So maybe I'll be wrong. But you look at this. It's it's. Kind of scary. I mean, he, the strikeouts aren't there. The walks are really bad. A K minus walk rate of like 6%, which league average is like again, 14 or 15% roughly. And a good pitcher, we always aim for 20, even 18. 18 and 20, give me that, I'm good. And his is like, again, we talked about 6. The swing strike rate, 7.1% so far. Uh, chase rate, uh, O swings at 26%, league average being 31% for that and 11% for the other. So it gives you an idea. He's worse than league average And two spots are very important for strikeouts. He's not getting that. Not to mention... The ground ball rate was, I think, it was twenty six percent, which means he's forty six percent fly ball and twenty six percent line drive Ugh, in that ballpark. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, that's not good. So the fact that he was able to limit damage while not striking out people, I don't believe in it at all. I, I wouldn't, I couldn't get in on that price. And a lot of it is, I'm also just really scared of that park. Even the bare best pitchers, Hunter Green, amazing. Yep, he's a really good pitcher. If you look at his home road splits, it'll tell that's you insane. the story. It's that ballpark has become Coors Light, but it's probably worse for home runs because
1: it's it's more productive than Coors Field
2: because of the the dimensions. Coors Field Mm -hmm. is huge. The humidor helps keep the balls in play, but a lot of extra base hits there, whereas Cincinnati allows the balls to go over the fence because it's anyway. It's not where it's really not pitcher friendly at all. Will he be usable? Absolutely. He's a pitcher showing some type of upside. He's going to have his weeks, but he's overperforming to no end right now to start off. And there's a lot of scary things in that profile that just like we can easily get a six-run blow up in like two over two or three innings any given start. And that's any pitcher these days, but his profile suggests it could be more common than the average pitcher. You know what I mean? Just given the fly ball tendencies and all that. So Abbott's a guy that I hadn't – I did not I think I put a bid on him. I just wasn't trying to land him. I'm okay if you got him for like double digits, but mostly you mentioned triple digits was where he was going. I just couldn't get there on him.
1: Yeah, I was been like thirty bucks, give or take. Didn't get him anywhere. Um, the walks scare the crap out of me because that just leads to two and three run homers, which is the problem. Like I can live with solo home runs if you strike guys out. It's the big ones. He's at Houston this week and they're at home against Colorado next week. We'll see what this boy's really made of in those two starts and uh, see where things go from there. AJ Smith Chaver picked up in one hundred ninety eight leagues, as high as two hundred fifty bucks as low as a dollar welcome to the wild west folks um this one was tricky for me i put very low bids in on on smith Shaver. um i like the talent i see the appeal of people want to compare him to you know use him out of the bullpen and all he started single a this year he's already pitched 21 33 almost 40 innings last year he pitched a total of 68 so how many innings do we really get out of smith Shaver? He seems more like a long relief guy that might have a few starts here and there, um, so I was kind of out on him as a whole. He did go five and a third, uh, nowhere in runs,
2: two walks, two Ks. So the Ks haven't even been that dominant, so I just wasn't sold. But what about you? I I rather, with the prices considered, I was more on AJS than I was on the other guys, uh, on Abbott, for instance, but. I'm with you. I'm not really all that intrigued by him. I think it's fun. The idea of like how, you know, how high he's jumped throughout the levels. All right. How he's jumped through like all these levels this year and he's finding success, but you saw him kind of tail off in the strikeout production at AAA. And then in the majors, obviously a small sample, but it's continued to tail off. So I think there's obviously going to be an adjustment period. I think he's worthy of being on a team. I just don't think that I would have been overly aggressive. I wasn't overly aggressive. That's why part, part of me is I don't need pitching. So it's not fair. It's a little biased. But it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I, I get it. I'm just I couldn't get there at cost.
1: Yeah, no, 100 with you on that one. So we went 0 for two on these two guys. Now we have Ellie De La Cruz. He's already over, rostered in six other OCs, so he's picked in and picked up in 190. He was rostered in one of my three OCs. That's how this went. Um, he was picked up in 197 leagues, as high as 671, and this is fun as low as 128 so everything was 128 and above which is good to see that at least wasn't the freebies out there um ellie's hit safely in uh six out of seven games hitting 296 uh home run four stolen bases still striking out 37.5 percent of the time but almost walking 16 percent. this is who he is the guy's an offensive beast he's super talented if you're ever going to break the bank, this was the guy to do it for. I just didn't have the funds to compete with anybody. Like all my leagues went higher than what I could have offered. So that's the end of the line for me. I was all in if I could.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I, th- and this was why I went in on Royce Lewis last week, because I thought Royce Lewis was going to be the best remaining hitter I could afford in the near future. <laughs> Not that uh, Ellie is, he has potential to break the league in terms of like being that this year's insert player who wins a league. One guy, only one guy in the top 30 of the overall right now main events got him, and he's like a top 10 team. So that is concerning for me because <laughs> Eli Dela Cruz has the potential to be a difference maker for the rest of the season and a potential top three round pick next year. If he flashes the rest of the year, as we know, the tools can allow. It's a team in Cincinnati that likes to run. It's a team in Cincinnati that has the great ballpark to hit in, as we've mentioned time and time again on every podcast, including this one as, as well it's led cruz is a cheat code right now considering playing time and not platooning and tools yeah he was deserving of the highest bid that, and honestly now we're not going to see another prospect or player come close to this bid level by the rest of the season but this was it this was that move you make that can help make or break a season if you're getting close competing maybe dealing with some injuries if you lost aaron judge if you lost like you remember how we talk about you can't replace Cedric Mullins I lied this would be the closest thing to being able to replace an individual player that like like that level in terms of like potential I know it's a rookie and I'm usually really really cautious with rookies but man you watch him it's different you know what I mean there's a level of confidence I have watching him and envy I have watching him, not having him on any teams that it's like wow okay this kid is different at least from what I'm seeing early on, I know he's going to go through slumps. I know he's going to struggle at times, but the tools are going to play out. He's going to go to he'll, he'll bat 200 with like a 40 percent strikeout rate over two weeks and still give you two home runs and five stolen bases type of thing. You know, what I mean that's going to be struggling for Ellie LA, La Cruz probably. Yep. No, I'm with you there, and that's why I, I, like I hate it. I hate it. I don't have
1: them. yeah. I hate this it. <laughs> this one's done like in OC's Toby, good old bat flip, the, my boy. He um he's in the top he's he's near the top ten. I think he was overall one a little while ago in in the OC's. He picked up Ellie on that team.
2: That's That's the type of difference making move, man.
1: Yep. When I saw that, I texted him. I'm like, dude, there you go. That's huge. And I give him a hard time because he always prefers 15s and hates 12s like you. And here he is, freaking.
2: I'm playing an OC next year. I might do one, maybe it depends. I might do one. I just like it makes you like the the stress
1: you put into a 15. It makes OCs fun because you're like, wow, look at all this stuff. But I also. Well, it also makes it stressful, though, because it's like, which stuff do I
2: pick? Well, that's the thing. That's where it gives me – it feels like it might give me an edge because I have this – I find yeah. value in these players that don't have that don't have value in 12s, and yeah. I say that with air quotes for those well, listening. What I was saying earlier, like me talking with you helps
1: me in 12s because all because, of a sudden I well, grab Brennan. Like, like, it's, a, it's the most recent example. Exactly. But, but like I grabbed Brennan last week when I was like, we're, we're about to talk about him in a couple
2: players because he was popular this week where – like no one added them last week. I got them for a buck. It was simple. It was a beautiful thing. So, yeah. And and that's the thing. So you get them a week early. But here's the the reason why I think that I can do well in 12s or at least maybe do well. I know it's a different. It's a whole different game. That's why I can't say I would do well. The reason why I think I could do decent is because you take this knowledge and mindset of like how I'm I'm treating our OCQ like a 15 where I'm getting I'm being aggressive with players I really like and they're big names while I'm. The ability to be aggressive on those players the reason why i have that ability to play with less fab and be a little more heavy handed on the fab is because i know i trust my process for dollar players in 12s because there's so much more to pick from already and then i'm already on top of it for 15s take that information put it over to 12s and now i'm streaming one dollar guys i can set myself up for three one dollar guys rest of the season and then take the remaining fab of like just attack what i want from here on out that's how i'm treating our ocq basically intent hint. and i know he
1: listens to the show that's what the guilds does and he's an OC monster. He won the overall make, last year. It makes he's been sense. A, he's been a top five guy, I think, for the last five years. I was in the league with him when he won last oh, year. I know he's aggressive. He's done, yeah, super aggressive because I'm, I'm speaking for him. I could be out of school here. He's super aggressive, but it's also because he's confident in the cheap moves like you're talking about. He does well in main event 15s also. So he, he, he does, needs to go away. He's, 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 he's he, he, has two,
2: he has two teams that are too close to me.
1: That's what I'm saying. I think there's a similar thought process that you just mentioned that he uses also in OCs. And I, I've witnessed it firsthand from him, so it, uh, it, it it makes a lot of sense. Next up, here's a blast from the past. Gary Sanchez couldn't make any teams. Couldn't make the Giants. Couldn't make the Mets. Here he's with San Diego. He's picked up in 128 leagues. This is funny, though. No, this is great. Why can't I be in this league? Picked up for as high as 220, as low as a dollar. I get the dollar. That's fine. I, I can get like 12 bucks if you wanted to. 220? No. Um, in his, uh, 12 games with the Padres since May 30th, he said safely a nine out of 12 hitting two five home runs, uh, 30% K rate actually in reality, not that bad for El Gary, a near 14% barrel rate, almost a 59% audit rate. He's either DH or catching every single day. They're keeping that bat in the lineup. I was definitely in on him where I needed to upgrade catcher. No doubt about it. No chance in hell. I was spending over like 15 bucks. I was in like the. Three, four dollar range pretty much everywhere. But um here we are, Gary Sanchez, the fourth most rostered player this week.
2: Yeah. And he's batting in the middle of the order, too. He's batting fourth or fifth, like every day, which is blowing my mind. But over the last week, you know, you I just took a look because obviously he ran so hot, th- the 35.7% strikeout rate over the last, what, seven games. And then he's one for nine in his last two games. He's two for 14, but one of those two is a home run over his last three games. So we know what Gary Sanchez is. And I think what he did was. Sh- you know, come out those gates swinging literally, um, hit making a lot of hard contact, which we know he can do in bunches. And I think Sanchez is still gonna be, I don't think he's suddenly not that guy anymore. I think it's just one of those things where it's, oh, look what he's doing, and you gotta jump on it for sure. But I don't expect it to last just because we have a long, big enough track record of it not lasting. But it really is fun. It's fun to, I mean, it would be, it would be more fun if it was on my team, but it's fun. I did go for him uh, to, uh, last, uh, last week because catcher twos and 15s is getting real bleak and i just refused to, i think somebody went just i think somebody just went double digits or something just something higher than that, like you mentioned i was just wasn't willing to go more than like four or five bucks because i've been trying to save money so i ended up with someone else who didn't do as good as him and now i'm upset but it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter i can't dwell on that I, it is what it is i got, he's gonna do good thing he's gonna run he's gonna run hot in bunches i think sanchez is we've seen it happen in the past and i think that's what we're seeing right now
1: yeah and one thing i it was kind of fun because i preached it in my preseason content where i covered catchers for the black book and in preview podcasts and everything I, I kept saying last year like it's the new running back position there's like a couple elite catchers and then it's like all these committees all these committees all these committees so you can stream catcher a lot this year it's kind of been kind of like there's been a dude here like all of a sudden blake sable if he didn't draft them kind of showed up patrick bailey shows up a couple weeks ago this past week there was for me if you didn't add him last week you had sanchez miguel amaya and uh yainar diaz they were all available at least in 12s like we're starting to get to that point in the year where we got catchers are getting hurt again because we're halfway through the season basically you're gonna start building the stream catchers again is what i'm trying to say so don't spend 200 bucks on a freaking catcher like especially a guy like gary sanchez like you hit on it we know he's streaky he's gonna go on a slump that's gonna piss so many people off and then you're gonna See, be able to grab mo- most for of us and, like, might
2: have missed oh sorry yeah You're going to be able to get him for a buck in August. Like, that's just how Gary Sanchez will be. Most of us missed – that That arguably was probably – the best week of the season was probably on the waiver wire. You know what I mean? Or close – or like last week. something I say all the time is you can't – you're buying the stats you can't have. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And for those who play in trade leagues, be mindful of that too. You can't get the stats that that have already been banked by the person trying to give you the goods, you know, like – they're trying to sell high for a. Re- they're sell highs for a reason. You know, you just have to be mindful of which ones are actually sell highs and which ones you can. You're buying high because you believe in. And I don't do buy. I don't do trade leagues. I hate even answering those questions anymore. Not yeah. that I'm better than that, but it's because I don't keep an eye. I don't keep a. a, a hand yeah. I don't keep. I don't understand the pulse of the of trade leagues anymore. Just not being in them keeps me out of the loop of what what a player's perceived value might be but at the end of the day that goes back to the rest of season stuff and i hate that too so it's like that's probably why i hate trades because you're trying to value rest of season where it's like i don't know man i'm trying to win i'm trying to win right now in the short term i worry about the long i worry about the big picture it's, it's hard to worry about the big picture i can't sit i don't know and then there's rest of season projections where it's like cool this is the projections the rest of the way but when when, when are you likely to get these stats because these stats aren't going to the, the idea is you want to bank all these stats but you also want to try to pick and choose your spots with a certain player Okay. Anyway, another rabbit hole. Sorry. Yep. Uh
1: the next player, the fifth most added player this past week is Will Brennan in 106 leagues, as high as thirty-six dollars, as low as a buck. Uh since May 29th, he's played in 12 games, hit safely in 10 of them, hitting 417 with two home runs, two stone bases. I would I like to see a lot of 15.7% K rate to go with his two fifty ISO. Um, he's just doing the little things he's doing against lefties too. That's been well highlighted with Kerlin and company. So uh, I, I love what we're seeing here from Will Brennan. I know we've talked about him quite a bit, but do you have anything else on Brennan?
2: No, it's just one of those things where Brennan is kind of finally becoming the player. I thought he would be in terms of like, wait, it was in the preseason. I'm like, this guy has a little pop, a, a lot more speed and solid uh, bat the ball skills. C- always a contact rate, always a big contact rates, good zone contact rates. It's always been a skill of Brennan's. And he's finally putting it together after a very rough start. But they believed in him so much that they sent down their say, like one of the guys that came up last year and was just like a savior for this team. And savior is a strong word, but Oscar Gonzalez was a very, very solid player for them. And they didn't even give him a chance to take a full time role. And they were platooning these guys off rip before sending down Gonzalez all- right away. So it's one of those things where I'm like, huh. So, and then of course, now that they hit on him, or now that they. Finally gave him the opportunity and then the fact that Will Brennan started hitting was like, okay, time to add them. Let's see where this goes. And it's been really solid so far. So I'm just writing it out at this point, too.
1: Yep, I'm with you. Uh, next up, Joey Weimer uh, was adding 105 leagues. He's the sixth and last hundred plus league player on the week. As high as forty-eight dollars, as low as a dollar. We've talked about Joey quite a bit on area. If people don't follow me on Twitter, you you should know my infatuation with Joey Weimer. Um, and it's one of these things, the glove was always going to keep him on the field. The production overall has been great of late in 318 since May 30th, three homers, three stolen bases, 29% K rate with a 16% walk rate, 318 ISO's is electric, uh, 55% R rate, 21% barrel rate since the 30th. He's had a couple big weeks. He does he is Ofer in his last three games, but I'm not too worried about Joey. Um South Relic is rehabbing, so that'll come back eventually. But Joey ain't going anywhere, I don't think, anytime soon. And the fact that the Brewers are seeing it as well because they moved him up to second a couple times now, uh, fifth one game. So he's not just at the bottom of the order. We'll see how that goes. But uh, I'm a big Joey fan. People know that by now. He's also, he's going to be streaky. I'm not going to say he's going to be a locked-in dude, but
2: the talent is there, and I think he's starting to finally tap into it. Yep, and I think he's finally just being more consistent is really what we uh, needed to see there. And I'm trying to see if the lineup came out for them again tonight yet. I haven't seen it yet cause... because I was just curious to see where they are hitting. It was I think the one time he batted fifth recently was actually against a righty, which is what I wanted to see. I got it. I have to double check that, but that's the second when he was batting second or whatever it was against a lefty, and maybe batting fifth was against lefty as well. I know they've run against some lefties recently, but Weimer's a he's a dude, man. I, I think he's going to be a little streaky with his skill set. I think the tools are legitimate. I think the power yeah. and speed you're seeing is very much a skill set of his. You just have to understand you're taking that with some uh, some batting average risk, that's all.
1: Yep, most definitely. Uh, we already talked to A.C. Sanchez, just want to bring up. He was added in 89, 89 leagues as high as $89, as low as a buck. I wanted to ask you about the next one here because this is a guy you've battled with uh, year in and year out, and so have uh, the Minnesota Twins. That's Edward Julian coming back up because Jorge Polanco with another hamstring injury. Might be, I'm thinking at least a month for Jorge, uh, Polanco. Nothing's been set in stone. But it doesn't sound great. Uh, Julian was added in 84 leagues as high as 122, as low as a dollar. And um, it's interesting with him. Like we've seen the production on the minors in the bigs. It just has not panned out at all. Like 293, five homers, three steals in Triple in A. The overall production in the bigs has not been there. But uh, since he's been called up, he's got three hits in two games. Obviously, small sample, double in each of them. What are you thinking here with Edward Julian? Because I know we talked about both putting in bids for him
2: you're muted my yeah i know yeah. no i know my kids are screaming uh, for me because uh it's summer and my dog is going crazy gotcha. so i was trying to scream like hey i'm in the office like because yeah, my dog's going nuts right now and we have company and i was trying to squeeze this in while they were out at the pool uh gotcha. you know because uh the, my wife has a friend over it's a whole thing anyway gotcha. it doesn't matter uh, what i am doing though why did you open the door oh my goodness anyway so uh <laughs> um yeah you're gonna hear my kids in the background sorry about that but anyway but Ed- edward julian Julian. Oh my goodness. I can't I don't know why my son did this oh my goodness this is fun Um so Julian like him leading off likely going to platoon unfortunately but strong side okay hold on I'm at the step out Bob, one second you're going to have to handle this but yeah Julian platoon bat solid legit power speed but big trouble one second
1: no problem no problem yeah Julian it, it's an interesting situation with Julian because we've talked about him in the, uh, the the our little chat quite a bit um, minor league numbers, like we talk about, even after he got sent down this last go around, um, were better. But there's just the concern of uh, the platoon situation where does he go when, um, if Polanco comes back, whenever that could possibly be? But it, it's a very, very sticky situation for Edward Julian. And uh, does Curlin have more information on Edward Julian?
2: Yeah, sorry about that. No, it was just a uh, chaos. My kid, like I said, everybody just came in. My kid decided to act up, just ignore the dog. But at the end of the day, um, Julian is just a—he's uh, a beast, man. I really do buy into the skill set. I really think he's legitimate. It's just one of those things where the team doesn't seem to want to keep him up ever. It feels like the Edward Alvarez treatment of just like up and down, up and down. But they both had issues with defense. They both could hit well while they were up. I think Julian's obviously a better player. It's just the comp in terms of how they're being treated by their teams comes to mind. But Julian should be up for a little bit. Like you mentioned, I'm sure you mentioned Polanco's injury being a good reason why, an indication why you should believe in what you're seeing from Julian. Or in terms of playing time, but uh, it's one of those things where you just know he's in a platoon. Know you're gonna have to sit him against lefties, and he even got pitch hit for the first game that he was up back up. So just as, as of right now, it's a strict platoon, and understand that there's gonna be it's gonna be a little frustrating, but the skills are legitimate and um, better than OBP formats type of thing. Average can be a little bit of a drain, but play appearances check a little bit of power check a little bit of speed check. Like he's doing all the box checks all the boxes and strong side platoon with those types of tools. You want that. Yeah, what I was
1: interested in with him was, um, you know, it's the old story. He's gotten his feet wet a couple times. Like here's round three. I think he's going to be a little more comfortable this time around. Like With the Polanco injury, like I said, I think it's at least a month. So he's going to be able to get a run to see what he's got. So I was a little more intrigued with him. Plus, you're not playing the premium that you had to pay the first couple times he came up, which makes it fun as well. Um, Brian Wu from the Seattle Mariners picked up in 84 leagues as high as 84 bucks, as low as a dollar. It's a weird one with Wu. Like the pedigree's fun, big time strikeout stuff. He went four and two thirds, two runs, seven Ks against the Angels his last time. Got lit up by Texas, but who doesn't get lit up by Texas these days? He's just not going deep into games. Like the strikeout stuff's great. I guess I didn't mind him, but I wasn't going all in, so I got zero. But what do you have on Brian Brian Wu?
2: I think Wu is one of those guys where it's in that Barlin discussion in terms of just I mean, I mean I think he has a higher prospect pedigree and probably has a higher ceiling honestly than Barlin. But I say it's in that discussion because he's a he was a cheaper guy that people weren't so excited on because he got lit up and I think the best is yet to come and we saw him take that step forward. Only four point two innings in the second outing, but had the seven strikeouts, only one walk, only two earned runs on four hits. Like he took a huge step forward in that outing, and although. There might be a happy medium in terms of the lines we get, but from what we saw with Wu, I think we know the ceiling is going to be there. He has a path to innings, a path to pitching for this team, in the short term at least. I think that it's just a lot of recency bias. We, you know, us, we like to be reactionary as a community. We saw him get lit up, and the bids were down. That's why That's why he was so cheap. I think we didn't give him a fair shake, and those who took advantage of it, I don't think he's going to be a. I'm not saying he's going to be a difference maker by any means, but I do think, I do think he can be very useful – right now at least in the near future
1: cutter crawford adding an 82 leagues as high as 45 as low as a dollar popular name around the nfpc twitter world i've always been a cutter crawford fan um i was like had some bids in on him not crazy he's gone three innings in his last two starts as they're trying to stretch him back out he's given up five total earned runs or three total earned runs three k's in both like, we've seen moments earlier this year and even last year where he was very, very serviceable. We've seen other moments where it's very, very scary. Um, what was your thoughts on Crawford in the end of the weekend?
2: I think we talked about him a little bit in general uh, last week because I think we had a question about him. Yeah, I, just, I, I unfor- The only unfortunate thing about him is that he's not getting – you know, he's not stretched out all the way. Three innings in each start. We know the fastball will play. Will the rest follow? I think he's in that bench streamer discussion of, like, you want him on your team, but he's not a must start. Uh, in 12s, it's a little tougher, too, because, again, you want more volume, more consistent volume, whereas he's not quite there yet. I don't know if he – so in, but in 15s, I like him a lot more just because I think that he can be something that's very useful for fantasy purposes in those formats more so than 12s, just considering the lack of volume we're getting right now. But Crawford as a whole, I like him. I don't think – I'm not as high as others are in the industry, in, in the industry on him, but I do, I do see the appeal, and I do think he's very much worthy of being on a roster. Without a doubt, it's just a matter of, uh I like the temper of my expectations just because I feel like there's so much, I feel like we've seen really good and really bad and a lot in between, like some really serviceable outings mixed with like good ones, mixed with like, okay, it's okay again. And until we see him stretch out and consistently pitch five plus innings and give us decent contributions while pitching deeper, it's hard to get overly excited because last time he's pitched more than three innings was all the way in uh, April 17th, it was the last time he's pitched over four innings in a game. So... Yep. Yep. That's one of the big concerns with me is um, just
1: the utilization with him, I guess, is the, how's that going to go down? But um, I guess we'll have to wait and see how that goes. All right. If you're ready, sir, let's do some, uh, our pickups for the week and see where things good. I know you have the one big league. So
2: what'd you get this week? one player (laughs) i didn't one one whole player kevin kiermeyer it was just because i wanted a little outfield depth i wasn't trusting the playing time for a couple guys or um guriel kind of iffy is he gonna be healthy or not lorano like he's been hitting the lineup but he hasn't played every day he gets randomly he randomly gets two days off on occasion so i was like let me just get some outfield depth A guy who's shown a little bit of power a little bit of speed this year part of a great lineup i know batting ninth is not great for kiermeyer or any hitter but he's He's performing way better than I think anyone expected, and it's been consistent. And we've seen stretches in the past from Kiermaier being being that type of player where he's been usable. But this year, it's pretty much been all year. So I, I took a chance, and I'm like, and by chance, I mean I spent a whole three dollars on a guy who's hitting two ninety five, four home runs, five stone bases, good plate discipline. Like he's doing what I would like from a guy that I could plug and play. They, they had five righties this week out of six matchups. So I, I just he was he was like my fourth conditional. For three bucks and I was like I'll take it I'll take them and probably end up dropping them this week so all that consideration for all that for a guy that I don't see myself holding on to and not to mention I'm in that point of the season where I'm holding on for injuries I'm I'm kind of seeing where things are going and I I have I need to free up a spot or two on my lineup but I'm, I'm kind of I like it I'm kind of set right now but again if Jesus Sanchez is starts slowing down really bad or my the thing is I guess what I'm getting as my streamers I've been streaming so I've been like oh I have like three or four or five moves a week I've been, my streamers have been producing now, so I haven't had a stream. It's like it goes from five to four to three. Now it's like down to one. I was Owen Miller stuck on my team this week, you know, so I've made conscious efforts to hold on to certain players that are performing beyond the one week right now. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, I get one move. Yay. So it's more for more for you, Bubba. <laughs> All right. My first OC, I'm really pissed at myself
1: because I somehow missed this, but so did the rest of the league. Tristan McKenzie was on the waiver wire. He got picked up and uh, picked up for 446 as low as 313. Would you have been uh, hot enough on him? I didn't add that much, but I like if I would have noticed like a week or two ago. Yeah. My point is, my point is, no one noticed it in my league. So like, I'm mad at myself because that's I could have got him for like a buck, but well, also did he somehow get? No one else knew. Did no, I looked. Drafted? I just looked. I just looked. No, he got drafted. Oh, that's a good point. Maybe he didn't. I will have to go down. I have the deeper dives. I scrolled for like two months of Fab. I didn't see him get dropped. He might not have got drafted. That's a great point because that was the lot. That, uh, he probably didn't because I did this draft the night before the season started.
0: So there that is. makes, like, that
1: makes sense. You're a smart man. I feel a little better now. I feel a little better because I even mentioned it in like our group chat on Sunday doing my, I'm like, Tristan McKinley's L.A. De La Cruz. Fuck. <laughs> um, and I need pitching in this league. Ellie De La Cruz went for 416, as low as 313. Um, I picked up Jack Flaherty. He was dropped last week. I got him for 37, 37 bucks, runner up 27, dropped JP France. I've been talking Jack Flaherty up on some of my other content lately. I like the improvements we're seeing. I don't think he's ever going to be the ace this year. We've seen over his last six starts, just three runs or less. He's going to have eight total runs in 30, 35 innings, striking out 36. The walks are an issue. Uh, but I don't I understand
2: the, how he's doing it with the walks. You know what I mean? Take away well, the walks. It was
1: in three of the six starts. His other three had one, one, and two. I agree. Still an issue. Not going away. I'm just
2: surprised how he's yeah. been consistently outproducing it, those. It, like, with, imagine with if he walks, was even
1: okay with walks. Yeah, with if, the walks, a babip, like. I guess my point is like I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on the dude and, and see if we can figure this out. It's still scary, but compared to other streamers out there, I will think my chances with Flarity. Um, let's let's put it
2: that way. Um, but yes, I agree with where you're going with. Hall. I just I just don't understand. I'm just surprised it's working. I don't like how he has one of his. I think he has a, a career high babib a, a second, the second highest walk walks per nine of his career. But man, he's managing to have. The lowest home run five ball rate of his career so it's a weird like hey i'm gonna start walking maybe that's why maybe he's limiting the home runs by not giving him as much to a hit because he's not hitting not the home in the zone i don't know how this is working out but flaherty's making it work and it makes no sense he's he's serviceable when he shouldn't be by it when you look at the metrics so i, I get it i do i understand why you added them i understand why people are streaming him and all that but it is a scary game you're playing Yes, it is. He has the Giants today. He has a two-step this week, so we'll see how it goes. Oh, God.
1: Um, I picked up Reese Olsen, dropped Paul Seawald, because I have so many saves. I have like five closers in that league. Again, this is an OC situation, dropping Seawald. I get it. Someone's going to love him. And I I, I I was like, it was between Seawald and Puck. Who would you have dropped? Um, Probably, oh, I don't yeah, know. That's it's tough. real close. It's real close. <laughs> like, I was going to be mad at myself either way, I have a feeling. With Munoz coming back, I went Puck. That was my kind of theory there.
2: So against lefties, because obviously you know the Giants are going to platoon the heck out of this game. Flaherty, has a, on point, Flaherty. Flaherty has a one point has a one point seven five whip against lefties, a K minus walk of seven point six percent. That's one single digit, seven point six percent, compared to a fourteen point four percent against righties. So lefty, uh, I am getting at is his lefties numbers are way that. his x whip is four nine eight, his FIP is 50, 502. Meanwhile, against righties, they are sub four. Both of them, one's closer to three point five. Uh, I'm just making you I want you to sweat so bad tonight. You're welcome. See, I added Reese and dropped Pete Paul Seawald, <laughs> eight to zero, no runner.
1: See, I was going for Olsen because I couldn't afford to Abbott or Smith Shaver. I thought Olson was the third guy there. Oh, so he's been decent his first few starts. Oh no, um, you're still
2: talking about Reese but uh, Flaherty has a six point two five walks per nine against lefties, right. and he also has a, <laughs> he also this has look, a one home run. This is what friends are ho- for, people. He also has a, he also has a one home run per nine against lefties, and this is again point four five four against righties. Wait, would you, Would uh, you rather
1: spend hundred and forty bucks on Andrew Abbott or thirty seven dollars
2: on Jack Flaherty? Next question. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no
2: either. but I just want my my goal here is to make you realize like if there's ever a time to, like be concerned it's tonight because the Giants oh, are yeah. gonna throw every lefty in their arsenal at Flaherty. You, I'm very aware as a Giants fan I'm aware I, I that's know you're aware as I'm saying uh, so I want you to understand that you're rooting for your own demise in a sense but see next week Flaherty faces the Nationals
1: I'll take my chances the, yeah, man, the they, Nationals they, are pesky so they're
2: pesky yeah. against lefties though so yeah. you're like I'm scared against Lazardo already bombed my week for in a sense and now he has to go face a a weirdly tough Nats team against lefties. So we'll see how that goes. So back to my moves. Uh, Joey, <laughs> I, I added Joey Weimer for six bucks
1: run runner up with three drop JP Sears. Added Luis Ringifo is actually playing very, very well. This is a streamer folks drop jet uh, Jake Fraley. Cause I have too many IL guys. That one stings. But this is again, OCs three to zero. Um, the uh, next OC, I have three total OCs. So the next OC uh, Griffin Canning dropped Adrian Hauser 11-3. to Added Jake Bowers dropped Ezekiel Tovar 4-1. to And Tovar's playing good. Don't get me wrong. I had extra middle infielders. Added Tommy Pham dropped Mark, Mark Khanna 3-0. Added Yanard Diaz dropped Jan Gomes 3-0. Added Ryan Nota, dropped JP Sears 2-0. Apparently a lot of dollars would have worked really well there. But I want to make sure I got these guys. So that's why I we went a little higher than a buck. Uh, In my last OC added Reese because I needed pitching badly and I had funds. Uh, I dropped Tommy Henry, 17-6. to six. Added Cutter Crawford, dropped Wesneski, 6-0. Added Will Brennan, dropped Senzel 4-0. was the only thing I didn't have Brennan in. Added Edward Julian, dropped Casey Schmidt, 4-0. Added Luis Rengifo, uh, dropped Mike Mayers, 3-0. So uh, I needed a lot of help, and that was the most money I had in any league. So we got a little more aggressive there, but a lot of somethings to zeros. Lots of fun. And it reminds me, we're getting to that time of the year in OCs where a lot of zeros will start popping up. All right. Now the fun begins. Listener questions. We got a few, so we have to run through these. Uh, First one for us today. Pretty Chill Brage asks, I traded Brian Wu for Logan Allen and Romano. Keeper years the same, three or more. Who won? I'd say Logan Allen and Romano side. Pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Next up, Sam asks, what's up with Ryan Mountcastle? I know he had the shits for a bit there um and then they're just starting to platoon him with ryan o'hearn go figure 2023 folks that's why i was going to mention o'hearn earlier when you mentioned him he's actually playing very very well right now which is hilarious and it's keeping Ryan like not to mention castle has been ill i was being sarcastic i don't know what his actual illness is but he's been ill but o'hearn's playing good enough there's kind of a platoon going on there but you'll know more than me
2: so looking at Castle splits because I was curious about that myself. Yeah, his right as weird because I, I don't, I didn't expect this to even be a thing, and I I know he's been missing time because he's been ill, so I don't understand exactly what's happening. If it's more so like easing him in, letting him be kind of like used sparingly, so to speak, but Mountcastle only has faced two. Uh, the problem is, is he sat three straight so because of the uh, issues, but. He's 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 probably gonna go back to playing every day, but if you look at his splits against the righties this year, that's where uh, Mountcastle struggles have been. So, what uh, on the year over a thousand OPS against lefties, a 534 OPS against the righties this year, uh, 43 WRC plus against the righties this year for Mountcastle. It's it's horrendous. Uh, almost 30, 29% strikeout rate compared to 14 14 and a half percent against lefties. So Mountcastle was finding legitimate struggles against righties. Will he platoon moving forward? I don't buy it. I think right now we're seeing him miss time because of the illness, obviously, but. Beyond that, he's faced 15 out of the 20 right-handed pitchers they faced the last 30 days, and that so so take away the three games. Say we'll say we take away the three games he's missed because of injury or two righties. So we'll say 15 out of 18. So he's still facing majority of the righties throughout the whole uh, the whole month. Basically, mm-hmm. I don't think Mountcastle suddenly out of playing time against them, but considering how bad the splits are. I don't think that I don't think he, I don't want to say that little platoon, them but they also I never thought they would have platooned Mullins last year and we saw them kind of do that uh, down the stretch. Uh. So I'm not saying that Mount Castle's in trouble for a platoon all of a sudden, but I'm just saying we have a we have it we, a we do have a truck record. We do have a track record of one of their best hitters and leadoff hitters at that gang platooned and moved down against uh well, opposed the you know the, the, the weak side of their platoon. So and uh, I'll be we'll honest see. in uh OCs
1: Mount Castle might
2: be droppable hit 27 11 homers it's getting close i'm trying so for his career yeah see that's weird his first career Matt castle's been fine against righties so i think it's more i mean not great nothing fantastic A 102 diversity plus is two percent better than league average a 737 ops isn't great 251 batting average is fine but he's always been a lefty masher with uh, and but he's always been a decent hitter against righties i I guess i also just don't buy o'hearn being a thing so I, I think with, that's I'm why with you. I'm with you. That's really why I wouldn't be too concerned about Mountcastle losing playing time. But and I say this because there's that outside chance, like a five percent chance that well they've done it before with Mullins, but the difference was they had. I think like, I know they McKenna isn't anything. I would say I know McKenna isn't a anything special, but last year McKenna against lefties was a big thing. I, I viewed McKenna as – but O'Hearn is suddenly a thing against righties. I don't buy that. Yeah, you know? I don't buy it. Because he's never really been a thing in general. McKenna has shown like times that he can be serviceable against lefties. So that's why I understood it last year. But, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't think he gets platooned. But the the righty splits are noticeably terrible and could continue to hinder him the rest of the season. But as long as he keeps crushing lefties the way he is, I think you'll almost not even notice the splits. Because I've never even thought to look at his splits because Mount has always been so steady and consistent. This was the first time I've, I really thought to ever look at a splits and realize, oh, there is a weirdly. A the like, there's a, like, it's almost like Rowdy less splits, you know? Yeah, Rowdy's a whole other topic
1: we might have to talk about next time because that's getting a little Well, he's, as he's well. platooning and yeah. he's just awful yeah. right now. But yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. Well, we might have to dig into that at a later time. Uh, Irving asks, what, this is funny. We'll go one by one here. What do you do with the rookies like Taj Bradley? You keep pitching them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Yuri Perez, on the other hand, if you can trade him, I'd trade him. Be prepared to drop him when he goes back to the minor leagues. And you well, I, and you're warned about this one going into it. Just throwing it out there.
2: Yeah, we've been. I think not just us, but a lot. Of people, I think there's also been, some, but there's been some people like, well, he's been so good, they're not going, but then Mish. I think Mish said on podcast, and then he tweeted it the other tweeted, day. So it was, it's, yeah, it's, it's common knowledge now. I'm,
1: it was one of the things why when we talked about a, when he was picked up earlier this year, why I wasn't as heavily into him, it's because he wasn't going to be around for long.
2: It was one of those things where he's been really helpful while he's been here, absolutely. But um when he goes down, I don't know. And I'm over here thinking, like, is it a month? Is it two months? Do they bring him? Like, do they drop him? Like, do they bring him down for two months? Bring him back up for the last two months of the year while they're trying to compete? Type of thing. Like, there's so much question marks in terms of how long is he down too. I don't think it's just a couple of weeks. I think it's a minimum of a month because yeah, they're trying to conserve his innings. A little
1: bit.
2: I, I don't think. I if it was two months, it wouldn't surprise me. But I can't say with confidence it's two months. So I can't be like, oh, you should drop him. But it's going to be a talking point to consider it because I think there's a real possibility it's two months or more that he's down, or at least maybe six weeks to two months. That wouldn't surprise me at all.
1: Rob McCabe on Twitter at SleeratNation, he does a lot of these cool things. That's how we know about your efficiency and everything. He put out a tweet this morning about Yuri Perez bids in the main event. He said, Yuri Perez might be optioned soon. 52 main event teams spent an average of $208 on him in week eight. Uh, So that was like three weeks ago. $415 $415 was the high, $167 was the low. Um sure feels like a lot of money spent on a kid being sent back down just weeks after being called up. So this it's is like why we yeah, and but Taj came back. We figured Taj would become that quicker because they were working on things. Yuri legit had these concerns.
2: Oh yeah. And we always knew it was good, it was him and Mason Miller that were like, they're huge upside here, but you have to know it's it's almost like a rental. It's yep. almost like you know you're getting it now and and now you're there's a good chance you're going to have to burn a lineup spot for a good period of time while they're it's setting them down yep. because I, I, you don't I
1: just, yeah I'd I drop them unless you're in a deep deep league well, they can' afford to hold
2: as I am saying in a 15 teamer it's hard to let go of that because what are you replacing them with yeah results' not even available
1: you know what I mean like but even to... when you're even when Yuri comes back because he's going to throw some in the minors so his Indians pitch are going to keep going up, he might just be a long relief bullpen arm when he comes back.
2: There's a lot of ifs, ands, and buts. That's the yeah, problem. That's, that's why it's um, – yeah. <laughs> I, I knew he'd get sent down. I think we all kind of – that's the thing. We didn't know if he'd pitch all his innings now. Would he get some now, some later? And from what Mitch was saying, it's pretty much that Marlins want to put him down now, ease, massage his innings, bring him back for a run at the end of the year. But how much of a run? A month, two months, six – Like you know what I mean? Like two months waiting on him just for him to come back and still be a five-inning, 80- or 90-pitch guy? That's – that's already limiting his upside too, because I don't know if you've noticed, but yep. he's been very efficient. Yep. But he's had to be because I think they have like a hard limit of ninety pitches for him in a game. Yeah, there's a
1: lot of eighty-five pitch outings. Yep. I talk about it on the DFS show every time he comes to start. I'm like, I love the guy. He's priced high though for a guy that we're going to be lucky to get five innings out of. Next year the guys year. Where, yes, bingo. There you go. Uh, the last guy, and I saved him for last
2: because well, he was put last, but this is your boy. What are you doing, Louis Varland? I'm holding on to hope. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a couple rough outings and this last one I'm biased, but I watched it and he got screwed out of getting out of that fifth inning, but that's another discussion. It doesn't matter. The results are the results. He's been lackluster and it's been really upsetting. He's been more of a team streamer. I haven't, he hasn't been an auto start or must. but like this week I gave him, I was going to spend him, but I gave him one more start. I mean, it's Detroit. You, you throw your guys. I'm just afraid my eight of returns this week, but somebody brought to my attention. This is where you, I should do better at paying attention to, to schedules. Cause I missed this. But, so that's why it's good to have some friends to help you out. But Dom pointed out, again, bullpen grooming and him have been talking a little bit. He's like, yeah, because he's he's very in on Varland as well. But he's like, dude, I think they might just go six-man. They have like one day off in the next 18 days or something wild. It's That's a true. very heavy schedule for them. So they a six-man rotation right now makes a lot of sense. And by then, it can figure itself out. Maybe Varland just sucks and gets sent down. Maybe uh, Maeda gets hurt again. Maybe Pablo Lopez goes down because he's known to get hurt from time to time. So it might just figure itself out. But I really expected to have him Being on my bed, I was going to hold on to him for a little bit just to see because I almost like Varland. Like, I really wanted to hold on to Varland because I don't trust, I never trust the Plonko to stay healthy. I just couldn't because of all the other injuries I was taking on. It was bad timing for me to hold on to Varland. So Mm -hmm. it sucks I'm not with, I don't have him right now. But uh, at the end of the day, I would try to hold on to uh, Varland. I say, I meant Julian. I I think I said Varland. I meant Julian. The whole, like, me trying to hold on to Julian was really tough. I couldn't because of the injuries on my team and all that compiling. But this is for the same reasons I want to hold on to Varland where I think there's enough upside there to hold them. And enough reason to believe that those injuries are going to crop back up for another pitcher. Well, he'll just be right back up not too far after being sent back down anyway. If he gets sent yep. down,
1: gotta be quicker with these curling. Um, I can't. Uh, trivia corner number one fan says Tovar is batting second over the last three weeks, hitting 310 with uh two homers and two stolen bases. What are we thinking on Tovar? Uh, yeah, I think he's finally
2: coming into his own. He just took him some time to
1: adjust. I'm with you uh next up on the docket here ballpark fantasy hold or drop yuri perez if options i say drop Curlin says hold as long as you can <laughs>
2: yeah in a 12
1: i see dropping them but in a 15 yeah. i'm holding for a little bit for sure eric uh at dad jokes asks what's a good resource for finding out who is going to be a bulk reliever guy for their team when they decide to do a bullpen game
2: i don't have a set resource i just happen to know either by what even looking what rotor world will have some notes on it sometimes if not um just understanding which teams do it and knowing who their main bulk reliever is, but uh, it's all fo- the kind of, beat writers. Well, yeah, a yeah. lot of it's just consistency with the team. Like Curlin said, they
1: have their guys. That's just the best way we can put it. Tom Rodriguez has a great question. What can we expect rest of the season from the red hot commodity? Corey Abbott uh, being sarcastic. I saw the look yeah. on your face. there. <laughs> well,
2: I heard Abbott. I was like, Oh wait, Corey. Yeah, no, nah, man, that's, that's rough. It it's was rough like fun. one guy. Eight out of ten of them,
1: uh, and then We Good Studios ask, looking to trade Strider and Ezekiel Duran in Dynasty. Would Riley Vargas or Bryce—I don't know if it's Bryce or Bobby Miller—would that threesome work, or would India Jones and Luis Matos be enough for team rebuilding? Uh, wow, I
2: didn't even hear all the stuff you just said. Well, I thing. would try to—I'd
1: try to get the Riley Vargas Miller side to so have a pitcher to replace Strider. That's my two cents.
2: I'm going to trust you on that one because I didn't pick up everything you put down. There's a lot going
1: on there, and I don't even know which Miller it is, so that doesn't help the cause at all. Um, But, yeah, that'll do it. Sorry I had to rush us there at the end. Don't uh, be. I probably should get
2: off now anyway with all my uh, family kids and chaos in the background.
1: Uh, Final thoughts as you grind on through the 12th week of the season now as
2: contending for the main event championship. (sighs) It's like... The only thing was like just keep swimming, just keep yep. That's why I have kids, so it's like instantly like Nemo's like what uh, Dory, what do you do? Dory. You swim yep. <laughs> it's 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 I'm trying to remember. I, I I ranted about how it's not a long season. No, it is. I need to realize there's a reason why we keep echoing it. Maybe we just need to stop saying it because it's obvious, but it's just frustrating because my competitive nature gets the best of me. I get really bad anxiety just monitoring it and over-scrutinizing every little move, and realizing I think my big thing is I need to go take go for a walk later, take you know, go hang out with the kids and take a break realizing i have all i can do is control who i put in follow the trends follow the process and if the results the results are out of my control beyond that i only control so much of the outcome and that's been my hardest thing to remember
1: yeah i told you that right before i even recorded i said i said it's the old joke that the old saying that people hate i have the road to wear shirt many do process over results It, it sucks it sucks but trust your process you can't control the results that's the way i look at it and as the great ted lasso once said be a goldfish that's one thing i'm trying to live life with these days just be a goldfish and uh and that'll make things so much easier with so many things in life let alone a fantasy blow up from time to time but all right everybody check out curland on twitter at mike underscore Kerland. go to gain of the edge fantasy on patreon patreon.com backslash gte fantasy to get all his awesome stuff there as well as the athletic his uh podcast the um bases loaded pod
2: yeah it's still a thing it's just yeah. very intermittent yeah. it's with between all the time I'm, now with the kids home for the summer man i make time for this for sure because i really enjoy this um and all the patreon stuff i just I, I just live stream for the first time and i usually just take my live stream and put the audio on pods so that's where it's like, like i'm trying but it's really inconsistent in season but you know oh, off season it's super busy and super loaded with information because i have so much more time and not there's not the consistent everything is changing rapidly so i have time yeah. to actually produce it and put it out myself and all that that's the thing it's not I don't know. And I check, out
1: his, check out his youtube of course he's always putting shorts out and other cool stuff there yeah so lots of stuff from Curlin as always it's always great chatting with you my friend and uh maybe we'll do it again next week
2: um i would like to i think i think we have a schedule at this point but yeah
1: we'll talk next week thanks for having me Bubba. as always as always you can find me on twitter at BD and this was benched with bubba episode 593 week 11 fab recap with mike curlin catch you all next time